Amen. Thanks, Thomas. Bless you. Something I used to say to folk, our folk, <coughs> when I was in my previous church was, are you happy or you happy? Are you happy or you happy? <laughs> so I expect you to be happy. Okay. Praise God. Um, one of the, the great things about prayer and fasting is it's a battle for all of us. It really is. I, I don't know of anybody that, well, very few people anyway, I know of, um, that, that find it easy. And because it's a battle of the flesh, particularly fasting. It's a battle of the flesh. But I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that we need to get the cutting edge of prayer back again. Because we pray very often, and more often than not, nothing seems to happen. Not does occasionally, but just enough to stop you having confidence in it. And that's wrong. Because the reality of it is that with regard to prayer, with regard to fasting, it, you know, it's the very center of bringing the kingdom of heaven down to here. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Humbling yourself is literally denying food. And coming into God's presence, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. And many people realize that we need our hand, our land healed. And, and the bottom line is, you know, one of them, the most and, and it's something that is just flagged over very, very easily. And it's what the Apostle Paul said, above all, pray for kings and those that are in authority over you. And the closest thing that we have to kings is governments. And we are incredibly good, myself included, at criticizing governments. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says this here, that you will lead peaceable lives and all will be well with you. And there is a reality about governments when they do ungodly things. And there is no question that governments right throughout the world, including the government of the UK, are doing ungodly things. But I think that literally... We need to again remember and pray for our governments. We need to break through the limitations that are on prayer. And one of those limitations is beyond any shadow of a doubt, the aspect of fasting. Jesus himself said, this kind only goes by prayer and fasting. And so there is a, probably 20 years ago, there was a little book that came out that impacted my life. And it was a book called, by Bruce Wilkerson, called The Prayer of Jabez. Does anybody remember that book? The Prayer of Jabez. I, I, I read that. I remember buying it in the airport in, I think it was Atlanta. We were on our way 
to one of the revivals that were out there. And, and I remember buying it there. And it was life-changing because it was the first time that I had literally noticed it. And Bruce Wilkinson talked about it. And I want, want to talk to you this morning just a, a little bit about Jabez, a little bit about the, the breakthrough that came into the, his life and some of the things that we can learn from that. It's 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10, and it says this here. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He was an honorable man. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. You get a name like this, and you have to live with it. Jabez, what was his mother thinking? We don't know if she means the physical pain of childbirth or if she means the heartache or some emotional pain or whatever, but Jabez has to carry this name with him. In a sense, he's calling out to God to give him an identity other than the one that his mother gave him. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. What I love about this prayer is that it is right and good to ask God to bless you. God wants to bless us. God is by nature generous. Some of you need to know this because it is fundamental to everything. Listen, God is good. And he's good all the time. Not just some of the time. Not just when things are going well. Well, God's good. He's shining on me. God is good all the time. And he wants to bless us all the time. When you ask him to bless you, he doesn't say, please don't bother me with that. He responds generously. He responds with a heart that wants to bless us. Jabez says this, bless me. He then says, enlarge my territory. He further says, let your hand be with me. All three of these are various ways of saying, help me to be better than where I'm at at the minute. Help the things I'm doing to go better. Is that a good prayer? I, I, you know, I'm not in the worst place that I've ever been, but I know there's a better place that God has for me. And I can only get there, not by improving my performance just, but by recognizing, God, the more I live on this world, in this world, the more issues I see, the more I realize that I am more dependent on you than I ever was. Listen, it's okay to ask God for blessing. If there's anything that you hear from me today, it's this. Let this go into you and sink into you. It's okay. 
to ask God for blessing. When you're in trouble, it's okay to ask God for help. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to deserve it. You simply rely on the fact that God is a loving, kind, compassionate, generous, good, and warm-hearted God. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 9-11, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, Eve, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who seek him? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus says, you can ask God to bless you with food, clothing, because God cares. There's no request too small or too trivial or even too selfish. You can bring your needs, every one of them, to God. But Jesus' teaching doesn't stop there. It's linked to the following sentence, and it's found just a little further on in Matthew's Gospel. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, when we read righteousness, sometimes we tend to think of something very religious. But what it means is justice in the sense of what the world would be the way that God wants it to be. Seek that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all these other things will be given to you as well. See, it's okay to bring our requests and our desires to God. But the ultimate purpose is not just for our blessing. There is a bigger picture that we should keep in view. And it's not just your blessing and your territory and your wants and needs and dreams, but God's kingdom, God's territory, God's justice, the way the world should be according to God. See, we seek that and these other things come and fall into place. So the blessing shouldn't stop with you. Jabez goes on to say, keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. The prayer leads us to say, God bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be on me, help me to succeed in all that I do. I love that. How many people want to be a failure? I mean, I don't. So it's okay to ask God, Lord, keep me from failure. Keep me from pain. Keep me from being a whinge. Because I feel 
that everything that's going to happen, that's going to be bad, is going to find me. I was in B&Q yesterday, and there was a woman, and she brought a big packet of bulbs. I don't know where she came from, but she was bringing them back. And I'm in the queue behind her. And she says, every single one of these bulbs that I bought last week don't work. And then she went on to tell her, that's my life story. Every If there's going to be something faulty, I'll buy it. And it just knocks you off course. Anybody ever feel like that? I'm listening to her. I'm thinking, oh, just let me get past her. You know, please. But she, but she begins to pour out to the poor cashier just her life story about like, if, it's, if there's going to be a faulty bulb, I'll buy it. And it'll find its way to me. So keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. The prayer leads us to say, God bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be on me, help me succeed in all that I do, and let that happen so that I won't be a pain to others. But instead, I'll be a blessing to others. I don't want to be a pain to others. I want to be changed. So it's good to ask God to bless you. It's good to ask God to enlarge your territory and to keep you from harm. And it's even better to remember that the purpose of being blessed doesn't stop with you. I hope you see that I'm not at all trying to discourage you from asking God for a blessing. I'm encouraging you to do so. In fact, I'm telling you that you have a moral responsibility to ask God to bless you. I am not overstating it. Let me explain. Because anxiety distracts us from more important things. Someone once said, it's very hard to love others when you've got a headache or a toothache. Because it dominates you. Doesn't it? If you're going through a tough time, no matter how trivial, I mean, just a headache. You, you, everything is focused on this headache. You're totally absorbed with the pain in your head that's causing you agony. Something happens when you're preoccupied with what you need and want. You stop thinking about other people. You're just focused on your wants and your needs. You don't think about God. You don't think about others. You just think about what it is that you want and you need. In fact, there's a great saying that you need to start praying, and here it is, anxiety. When you feel anxiety, it means you have some needs and you, that have not been expressed to God. Philippians 4, 6 says this here. Don't, listen to this, apply these verses to your, to your own heart. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation where you feel anxiety rise, take your anxiety and turn it into a prayer. Make a request for your needs. Bring them to God. When you do that, your anxiety will dissipate. God's peace will be like a good governor who comes into your heart takes control and banishes all anxiety, stops the crime wave of anxiety. 
then you can be focused on the things that really matter. Let your mind focus on what's really important. That can't be selfish. You have a responsibility to go to the next level, to learn how to pray and ask for God's blessings. Not so that you can turn God into some genie, your personal butler or your personal assistant. Not so God can serve you, but so that you can have your needs taken care of and get on with serving others, seeking first God's kingdom, God's justice, and God's dream for the world as it should be. So there are some things that you can only see from the top. There's a um, traffic lights when you're coming down from Saint Field into Carry Duff, and the traffic lights are just at Carry Duff. And there's, um, I stopped at them yesterday, and. I noticed there's a sign, Thomas, you'll know it. And it's about, actually, it's next door to you, almost. It's a swimming pool. Swimming pool. Private swimming pool. And I'm looking, trying to figure out, because it's just a house. I'm trying to figure out where is a swimming And you can't see it. But you could see it. Because you look over the fence. And I, do you know what I did? I went home yesterday and I googled it to see it. Because there are some things you can only see from the top. Looking down. I'm nosy too. Yeah. Listen, there are some mountains you don't speak to, you take. One of those mountains is the battle of the flesh. And that's fasting. Joshua 14.12 says this, Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified, and it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Let me, in closing, give you five requirements. Five Proclaiming your mountain. And it's dead easy to remember because they are five days. Okay? Five days. Here's the first one. Desire. Having the desire gets you started on your claim up the mountain. Mark 11, 24 says this here. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. You have to desire to see from the higher level. You have to desire to go beyond what is normal. What happens when you don't have desire? What should I do? And this is what people say. You know, I've often said, you know, I wish I could run or play. I wish I could play the keyboard the way I've seen others play it. Um, I remember Ken Robinson going to 
I had the, one of the guys in one of the pop bands that he came through in Liverpool, and he said to him, I would love to be able to, to, to play the keyboard the way you can. And he turned to him, and he just as bluntly as anything, he just said to him, no, you don't. Because if you did, you would have practiced it. If you did, you would have stared at it. If you did, and, and you know, and much of what God wants to do in our lives, we don't have a desire for. And yet with all, that immediately is doomed to failure because you don't have... What do you do when you don't have a desire? What happens when you don't have desire? What should I do? Desire to find some. Find some want to. You get it? Find some want to. I want to do this. I don't have want to to want to. Then ask God to give you the want to. Start with some kind of desire. Stir up the gift that's within you. Philippians 2.13 says this here. For it is God who works in you. And this, listen to this. Remember this. It is God who works in you. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's difficult to do something. I... I had a bit more time during the summer just to to walk, to do a lot more walking. And then I lost the will. And it's incredibly hard to do something that you don't have a will to do. It is. Because, and you know what you need? You need to go back to God because everything comes from him. Just say, God, give me some want to. Help me in this. Give me a will. It is God who works in you, both to give you the desire, the will, and the do. You get the will right, you'll do it. And that's something that fasting can do in your life. His good pleasure. The second day, is drive, drive. Climbing the mountain takes drive. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says this, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has led hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If you have no drive, you'll never get up the mountain. So you need desire, and you need drive. And your source for both of those things is in Him. So, the next thing that you need is diligence. It takes diligence. It takes one more step, one more day, one more prayer, one more act of faith, one more act of love, 
one more tithe, one more offering. It takes diligence. Proverbs 10 and verse 4 says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. The last thing is determination. Takes determination. 1 Corinthians 2 2 says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's saying, I'm not going to get trapped by the world. I'm not going to be distracted by the world. I'm not going to compromise with the world. I am determined to know nothing but Jesus and Him crucified. You want to climb your mountain? You want to have the, have the desire, the drive, discipline, diligence, and determination to get there. Every time, one of the biggest things in this world is busyness. Busy, 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 busy. And I'm guilty. I just feel so often, you know, that if something needs doing tomorrow, why not try and get it done yesterday? And busyness has a, an incredible way of shutting God out. Shutting him out. And recognizing, you know, I, I was reading a book And it was about this guy who was an incredibly successful billionaire. And he had worked hard all of his life. And he had invested and he had done everything else. He was a billionaire. And everything collapsed overnight. And he was walking in New York down Skid Row. And he looked at all of these makeshift tents and people living in squalor. And he was walking past and he looked at them. And you know what he came to the conclusion with? Every single one of those people living there have more than what I have because I'm in debt up to there. They just don't have any money. And he realized the futility of his life, everything that he had invested, everything that he had done. And it just comes again. I continually have to drive this into me because I'm Mr. Guilty. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not our own, not performance-based, just his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. You will never come second when you put God first. Just trust him. I'm going to ask Josh and Mara just to come up and lead us.
Worship was phenomenal this morning. And let's just recognize, folks. Do you know, you have more power than you are willing to accept. If my people, you're his people. The power to be able to change the direction that this world is going in. It's tough because you say, I can't even change the direction my world's going in. No, you can't. But it's going to take something of those five days that I've shared with you to be able to say, God, Jabez changed his world. Changed generations that were to come after him because he was not prepared to be this person that was destined just to cause pain. And he broke something. You know, I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt, and don't say, well, because I couldn't pray for or fast for, just fast something. Just bring it to God. Prove me now, says the Lord. And will I not pour out a blessing that you won't have room enough to contain? Let's stand as we worship him. Hand over. Bless you, Lord. Bless you.